Alrighty, let me um, get my devices open. <laughs> get my Bible up here. Cool. Well, <clears throat> this November's been um, pretty awesome for this series um, that we've been going through. Seek first. Um, I've been super encouraged. I hope you will have been too. So, um, to give you a quick recap, um, we have. Uh, heard from Taylor the first week um, with a really powerful encouragement and testimony from those first few verses of chapter 6. And then the last few weeks um, we've heard from James who's covered more of the um, of chapter 6, that very challenging, encouraging chapter. Um, and he's delivered some challenges of his own. And I wanted to ask, how did everyone go with the thankfulness exercise? I'm Seeing some <laughs> nodding heads, yeah, some okay. Um, it was awesome, actually. I, I did really try. I think maybe I missed a day, but I found it so encouraging, the moments of just stopping to thank God. Um, yeah, it's so true. There's always something to be thankful for. Um, so this week, we are wrapping up the Seek First series um, with the final verses of Matthew chapter 6, that's verses 25 to 34. So if you have your Bible, open it up. I'm reading from the Amplified, which I've been really loving at the moment. Um, the title I love for, the, for this section of verses is called The Cure for Anxiety. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, but that's perpetually uneasy or distracted about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add one hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothes? See how the lilies and wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that... Not even Solomon in all his glory and splendor dressed himself like one of these. And just as a quick aside there, um, I just love that. When I was um, reading through that, um, I just got this lovely revelation of um, how detailed Jesus or the Father is that he would take such delicate care to adorn the flowers of the field that are here today gone tomorrow, crushed underfoot. And he's saying how much more, how much more um, will he clothe us if we let him and stop striving to do that in the most superficial ways. He wants to adorn us so that we are spiritually beautiful, but sometimes his gifts are material as well. And this to me says that his provision will not always be the bare minimum Sometimes it will be, um, and that's often going to be for our benefit as well. But other times he's going to behave like an extravagant dad who just wants to lavish gifts on his kids. And yeah, you only have to read the prodigal son 
um, story for backup on that. Um, anyway, uh, where was I here? Back in verse um, 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive and green today and tomorrow, is cut and thrown as fuel into the furnace, here we go, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, saying, what are we going to eat, or what are we going to drink, or what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, but do not worry. For your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first and most importantly, seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you also. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So um, Caleb and I will both be sharing this morning, um, but I'm going to take you through a look um, actually at the life of Daniel um, and his famously uncompromising allegiance to God as king. Uh, And Caleb's going to share a bit about how he grasped this concept today and some of his own revelations um, that he's been having lately about seeking first the kingdom of God. Um, But yeah, the heart of our message really is verse 33, which is Jesus' command to seek his kingdom first um, and his righteousness with the promise that all these things, and that's all the things that we need materially and spiritually, I believe as well, will be added to us. So yeah, lately I have been um, digging into some of the Old Testament prophetic books and are so challenging, um, Daniel being one of them. But I've really loved it and found so much encouragement um, in the stories. And one thing that struck me when I've been reading them is just how minuscule I felt um, just at the reality that the God of those days is the same today Um, and that the kingdom that he was establishing then um, was just revealed so dramatically in Jesus Um, but it's still being rolled out and that's really exciting because we can be a part of that Um, and just the magnitude of his name ancient of days He is the ancient of days. It's so fitting. But um, I've been so struck by the character of these prophetic patriarchs. And they're certainly not perfect, but steadfast seeking of God and his kingdom first. So, um, yeah, Daniel. Daniel and his friends, you'll remember them as um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Um, are carted off into exile to Babylon. They're young men. They're probably in their early teens, from what scholars can glean. Um, And I just want you to imagine for a moment how daunting that would have been. You know, they're taken from their families to a strange, strange new place. And they head straight into three years of heavy indoctrination to teach them the language and literature and culture of Babylon at the time. 
so that at the end of the three years, they will be fit to serve in the king's palace. And no doubt it's clear that every effort is made to get these boys to forget the God of their people and to embrace the pagan gods and culture of Babylon. But as we know, Daniel was devoted to God and to his kingdom, and to his kingdom first, and he resolves to remain faithful to God no matter what. But this resolution begins with something small, and that's the first thing that I want to highlight here. Um, So the king, Nebuchadnezzar, has assigned Daniel and the other exiles a daily portion of food and wine while they're in this three years of training. But the clincher is that first portions of the allotment of food and wine would have been presented to idols before coming to the table. So we read in um, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, if you're taking notes or want to read along. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's finest food or with the wine which the king drank. So he asked the commander of the officials that he might be excused so that he would not defile himself. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so that is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's their Hebrew names, Um, they follow suit, and we know how the story goes, that after the 10-day trial on a diet of vegetables and water, that's all, um, the four friends were looking healthier and sharper than all the young men who ate the king's food. So if you just plainly parallel this story with the verses of Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Well before Jesus was encouraging followers to dial down on the superficialities of life, God was, to use the words of the verse, adding to, he's adding to these uncompromising men of faith, the nourishment they were turning down so that they might remain morally pure before God. And further to that, at the end of the three years of palace training, it says that among all the young men taken into um, captivity, taken through this program, um, not one of them was found to be of such caliber as Daniel and his friends. So you can see the adding to grace of God was at work, not just in their bodies, but in their minds and in their spiritual gifts as well. But this pledge of allegiance to God as king began for them with the small resolution not to eat the king's food that had been sacrificed to idols. In that way, they were resolving not to participate in or condone the worship of any other god besides the one true god. A small way, and I say small, maybe just because it's small in comparison to what was to come, because we know how intense it became, Um, but a small way to say, we will not bow our knee to any God but our God. And truly the challenges became much more intense than refusing food, um, because we've all heard of 
Jadrak, Meshach and Abednego being thrown into the blazing furnace. Um, and of course, Daniel's most famous story is Night in the Lion's Den. And you might not know, you might, but that when Daniel was thrown into the den, he would have been in his 80s. So it just makes me wonder what kind of other ultimatums he would have faced before being ready to defy the king's decree that had him thrown in the den of lions. He'd be willing to face death in order to seek the kingdom of God above the kingdom of men. So the journey for, um, for us of seeking God and his kingdom above kingdoms of men, it's got to begin in the small resolutions or decisions we make to do right by his will, to do right by the words of Jesus, to hold fast to him when small things come up, small challenges arise, in order that we might be mature enough to face the bigger ones that will come our way, those that will challenge our allegiance to the King of Kings. And I believe that we should expect and prepare for these moments, not out of fear, but out of wisdom, I think, because if we're not ready to seek God in, uh, first in the small challenges of faith that we encounter today, how might we hold fast under serious persecution if that were to be a reality for us in the future? Will we be ready to defy kingdoms of power in coming years that wish to oppress or prohibit our worship of the King of Kings? Because we know for many Christians around the world, this is a reality. So let us resolve, as Daniel did, not to defile ourselves by modern-day idolatries and seek first his kingdom. And not only that, but let us define why we want to, because that's um, something that will will hold us fast in those moments. Um, and this verse, I love it, is a good place to start. This is Jeremiah 29 verse 13 from the message. It's words to the Israelite exiles in Babylon, but so applicable for us today. It says, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. The NIV puts it, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It might start as simply as a decision just not to watch movies or TV shows that glorify sin. Um, James has given us some great ideas and challenges um, over the last few weeks, especially in his message about inputs, um, just to question what we're consuming. I think, if you haven't already, I'm sure lots of you are, but it is time to address those impulses or even those subtle addictions. To read Matthew 6, 25 to 34, or all of Matthew 6 even, and ask ourselves, are we seeking after material wealth, worrying about when we'll get our next fix of food or shopping or whatever that thing might be for you? 
and completely missing the mark of what it truly means to be wealthy. Jesus says in Luke twelve fifteen, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Obtain Christ. Go after him first. Be rich in time spent with him. Seek his kingdom come in your life and watch it spill out into the lives of of others, those around you. Going back to Daniel um, quickly, as an interesting little aside, um, this is a wee hint as to the length that Daniel went to to not accept or adopt the pagan um, kingdom culture of Babylon. It could lie in the Babylonian names that Daniel has used in his book. Um, So it's well known that they refer to the false gods of Babylon But all of them seem to have strange misspellings as they appear in the book of Daniel. Um, Belteshazzar is the name given to Daniel. But it would have made more sense if it had read Belshazzar. And um, that is one of the future kings of Babylon um, that Daniel comes into contact with. He interprets the handwriting on the wall for for him, for Belshazzar. And in the same way, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego each have small anomalies, um, misspellings. And so some scholars have suggested that Daniel even went to the extent of altering the given Babylonian names in his book to remove direct references to Babylonian gods. I found that quite interesting. And it just reinforced for me that it starts with the small Now, I just, it was too hard to compress what I wanted to say about Daniel because I needed to leave some space for Caleb. Um, but before I start to wrap up um, my half of our message, I just wanted to look at some other brilliant verses to encourage you in your seeking. So this is um, the stunning faith and character of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the command of Nebuchadnezzar to bow down to his golden image. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to answer you on this point. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I referenced a verse from Jeremiah earlier. He was another prophet of uncompromising devotion, but it cost him. The messages that God had him deliver to the Israelites at the time, this was prior to them going into exile to Babylon, they were heavy judgments. They were condemnations, calls to reform, with a smattering of hope-filled encouragements later down the track. And he's well known as the weeping prophet. It's a pretty heavy book if you um, go through it. But he remained faithful in his prophetic call 
and is seeking first of God's kingdom. But he wrestled with God over it and he made sure that God knew exactly the pain he was going through. And my point in touching on this is that there is a cost with seeking first the kingdom of God in your life. And it's 100% okay for it to feel awful sometimes. My encouragement to you is not to shy away from the awkwardness or the doubt or the pain, but to lean into it and in doing so lean into God. And you might just find that he alleviates that feeling completely or as you um, act in obedience, you'll realize how much more rewarding that is your obedience to him than any doubt or fear that you face in the process. So here we have a beautiful example of what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God, endure painful suffering for it. I mean, Jeremiah did both physically and mentally. But to pour out one's heart honestly before their father. So this is uh, Jeremiah 20, verses 7 to 13, Uh, from the NLT translation. O Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we'll report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He'll trap himself, they say, and then we'll get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They can't defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous, and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord. For though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. Finally, our greatest example, our beloved Jesus. The only one to have perfectly sought his father's kingdom first at every turn, no matter what it cost him even unto death. And when I wrote that, I was reminded of a memorable line from 
out of the worship song. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. John 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And Matthew 26, verses 37 to 39. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be grieved and greatly distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved so that I am almost dying of sorrow. Stay here and stay awake and keep watch with me. And after going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, that is consistent with your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. I'm going to hand over to Caleb now. Wow, that was <clears throat> really good. Um, <laughs> no pressure. Um, yeah, that, I mean, just I felt stirred up, especially even just that scripture from Jeremiah and, um, and how kind of he felt like a joke. And we should feel like a joke, I think, as Christians. You know, like to the world, we should feel like we are a joke we're not obviously but um yeah we should be we should feel different or kind of set apart anyway i um i wanted to share a dream i had um because the scripture we had been talking about obviously um seek first the kingdom and all of this will be given to you is that that's how it goes close enough um, and it, it kind of got me thinking, like, just as I was thinking about it, it was like, firstly, what is the kingdom, and and um, and what is it that will be given to me as well? Those were the kind of things I was pondering about, and how do I picture the kingdom and stuff like that? And um, I just had, as I was pondering, and I just felt like the the Lord kind of. Sh- uh, Around here we have embassies, and I drive past them every day. Well, not every day, but coming in Friday, or Thursday and Friday when I come into church, I drive past them, and um, it just got me thinking about, you know, say take the American embassy. Um, the people that work there are, are from America, but they live in New Zealand. They're fully citizens of America, but they live in New Zealand. They live in a different place, and. Um, they have all the resources of America. They have diplomatic immunity. They live under American law. So the, even their land is part of America, and um, or to, you know, take any embassy you, you choose. Um, and that's like what we're like here on Earth is um, we're ambassadors, and we carry a piece of the kingdom around with us, and. Um, you know the kingdom. I don't know what it actually physically looks like because I haven't been there. But um, you know, um, Jesus is there, sitting on his throne, and 
we are now at the moment ambassadors for him and we um yeah we carry that so that was kind of a cool a cool image i thought it was quite um and it just sort of encouraged me to realize uh the authority that we have and i have um here now on earth and um and it also kind of got me thinking about eternity as well and i don't put a lot of time into thinking about eternity but um i think it is a valid thought as a christian and the fact that it is a real thing um you know i've spent most of my life investing in temporal earthly things like selfish desires and um, things like that um and just yeah just recently just getting closer to the lord been thinking about what i'm actually investing my time into and and um is it affecting my soul is it affecting my eternal uh life basically and um so <laughs> that um yeah it kind of just kind of encouraged me to begin to pursue my eternal life rather than actually my life here because if i think about it you know yesterday i can't even really remember what happened and that'll happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and everything that we do here on earth is is temporal it just kind of will fade away one day so the things that we should be investing into uh our eternal things are, are the kingdom things and um you know that's pursuing Christ first that's pursuing a relationship with the Lord first and um it doesn't mean just going home and sitting and blobbing out on the TV all the time because it doesn't do anything like that stuff is literally just going to f- fall away um so yeah just and and thinking about that has just kind of encouraged me to seek first my relationship with the Lord and since i've started doing that kind of everything's begins to work out like all my anxieties fears worries um you know am i going to have enough money am i going to have friends or whatever um all that kind of th- thing just disappears and and when you just pursue the lord first um you don't even have to to fix those things they kind of just fix themselves it seems quite counterintuitive but um it does um so I had a dream uh not too long ago about um what when I woke I realized that I was it was actually heaven um so in in my dream I was at this table this banquet table and it was just endless and there were heaps of people there I, multitudes of people but I didn't know everybody I, I I recognized a few people um some friends who actually don't go to church who aren't Christians now which was really cool and um <clears throat> um and we're all having this feast and everyone was eating their favorite food and everyone was just there was just there was no um sadness or or disappointment or just anything yuck wasn't there and everyone was just having a real good time and having this meal and there was a there was these kind of white bricks stacked up everywhere kind of around the place and uh I looked we we're kind of on this mountain and then I looked down 
and there were some people who were trying quickly to try and put all the bricks together and make something of this. And they, these bricks were like pure, um, they were like translucent white gold, just like indescribable. And they were kind of all just sort of all over the place. And then in a moment, they all just fell into place. And um, it was like this uh, this perfect um, palace kind of hotel sort of, I don't know, it, was, it, was, it felt like a kingdom. It felt like, um, you know, um, there were rooms and stuff like that. And my sister came running up to me and she was like, um, everyone was getting handed out these plaques with a, you know those like, um, you know, a, a keys or axes inside a glass box. It's like break in emergency or whatever. Um, everyone was getting handed one of those and it had your name inscribed on it. And my sister was like, oh, wait wait till you see what you've got. And I just remember in, in, watch, in her saying that, I was like, whatever I'm going to get, I know that is exactly what, who I am. And, and the, like, I'm just going to feel fulfilled and nothing else matters kind of thing. It's, it's really hard to explain, but it was like, it was just perfection, basically. And... When I got it, I don't remember what I saw written on it, but it basically everyone was getting a name. It had like your room number, and it had your task or your your job and what you were doing, like your your how you were going to serve in the kingdom. And and when I woke up, I just thought that was quite profound. That um, whenever I've thought about eternity, I've thought, oh, I'm going to be able to you know just do whatever, fly around. I don't know what you actually do, but I always thought of selfish things. I just thought of like the way I would think here on earth. But actually, when I got given this, I was like, yeah, this totally makes sense that I would want to serve in this way for the rest of my life, for eternity. And that is really the heart of God as well as, you know, he's a servant and he um, has that servant heart. And um, so, yeah, I just thought that was a really really cool dream I thought that would hopefully encourage you all um, yeah and then so the next um, thing also I wanted to share was just a word uh, that I got from the Lord in one of my quiet times what am I worth to you my bride you can't even look me in the eye I stand here with my hands outstretched what am I worth to you Why are you checking your watch, your phone? Do you need somewhere to be somewhere more important? What could be more important than your groom in this hour? Why won't you even look me in the eye? Do you even want to be here? Am I just a picture on the wall? Am I just a good feeling? Am I just an idea, a piece of, piece of mythology, a piece of history? Who am I to you? Are you walking down the aisle in the secret? Are you embarrassed to call me your groom, my bride? Why can't you look me in the eye? I have given you everything I have. Is that not enough to even get a smile, a conversation, acknowledgement, some of your precious time? Why can't you look me in the eye? I stand here waiting, calling 
for you to give me your attention. I am patient, I am kind, but the music is almost coming to an end. Look up, look at me. The music is playing for you to walk down the aisle. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed of me. The banquet is set for you, for us, my bride. Please don't get cold feet, my love. Look me in the eye. Trust me. Give me your all. Look up. Keep your eyes on me as you walk down this aisle. People will mock you. People will distract you. They will want you to look at them and not at me. I urge you to look up. Look me in the eye. Give me your all. Give me your first. Give me your heart. Give me your best, and I'll give you the rest. Yeah, so I got that during my quiet time, and I I know that was specifically for me at the time, but I also know when God gives you something, it's for everyone else. And I just really kind of, as I was thinking about talking, I know Fena is the um, articulate one in the relationship. So I just thought um, I would just want to give God some time and... Um, I just thought maybe you've been in church your whole life and I know that altar calls get called all the time and and sometimes they're really specific, but I know that um, sometimes they might not be like the right setting or whatever, but I just feel like there could be someone here that um, might just kind of be in in a time of apathy um, going through the motions, you've been to church, you know all the stories, you've heard all the altar calls, um, um, but there's not that first love anymore that you once had, and I just feel like God wants to give you that moment, and I don't know if um, Nick wants to play any like music, but I just thought um, God knows best, <laughs> and he knows... Um, everyone's heart, each of us individually. And I think that in any given moment, if you're not true to that moment in in your heart, and even if it kind of hurts and you think, oh, I have to get up out of my seat, um, if you don't do it, it's it's the worst. It kind of like you can go the other way and your heart can get hardened. So I just think if you have stirring in here, then don't ignore it and just come up and... Um, sit up the front or sit up at the cross there if you want as well but yeah Nick I thought if you could play um, just yeah even these lyrics um, I I surrender all yeah I just think you know um, eternity is real Um, God is real and it's these moments like now that you actually have a moment to, to change direction and um, get up off your if you've been sitting on the ground you know we're all running a race and sometimes you, you get distracted or you go oh look there's the drinks table I'm going to stay here and have a drink or have a meal and you forget you're actually running a race and um, so I just encourage you for this moment is just to get up and start running again and <laughs>